Well, let's go to prayer and get into God's Word today. Father, once again, we just thank You for being so, so good to us. Lord, so much more than we could ever have deserved or earned. Lord, Your grace is incredible. We just once again want to praise and thank and glorify Your holy name for who You are, Lord, and for the grace that You've opened up to us. Lord, we pray now as we get into your word that you would speak to our hearts, Lord. Move us, change us, Lord, in your presence once again. We thank you and give you all the glory. All God's people said, amen. Well, when Kate and I stood at the altar almost 36 years ago, I don't know, sometime this month, I think, um, all the ladies cringe. I know, it's the 19th of April. I know that. Um, what we did, we stood at the altar, and we said our vows, and we took them very seriously. But I have to tell you that her and I have gone through ups and downs in our marital relationship, just like everybody else. Now, when God instituted marriage, he said something very interesting. He said the two will become one flesh. Some people take that to, the, to refer to the physical relationship in marriage, and of course that's a part of it. But I think the real meaning of oneness in marriage goes much, much deeper, much broader. We get a sense of that in Ephesians where Paul says, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. Right? In other words, prior to marriage, uh, a man looks out for number one, doesn't he? Right? Now, there's a number two. But God says, no, 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 not a number two, but now together you are number one. Right? The value of the person, the importance of who they are, the importance of their needs, what goes into now making decisions in life is no longer me, but us, isn't it? How many are glad just so glad this morning that that just magically happens when we stand at the altar and say, I do. If you believe that, there's a creek running through town. I got a good deal on it, and I can let you have it pretty cheap. Um, no, it takes energy and effort, doesn't it? And I say all that because I believe that that concept is going to help us um, that concept of oneness in our next section, the Gospel of John. Go ahead and turn to chapter 17 this morning. John chapter 17. Here in chapter 17, which many Bibles have in red, because they're the words of Jesus, Jesus prays for his disciples before his arrest. He knows what's coming, and he's taking this time, if you will, to have this last prayer with the guys with the 12, right? Praying, or excuse me, the 11. <laughs> um, praying not only for them, but for you and me as well. Look what he says there in verse 20. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. Right? That's us. Amen? That's us. Now there is a ton of stuff in this prayer but I want to focus this morning on one particular thing. 
Look at, uh, look at verse 11 of John 17. Jesus says this, I am no longer in the world. He's going to be leaving shortly. He says, but they are in the world and I am coming to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given me. Why? That they may be one, even as we are one. Go down to verse 20. He says again, I do not ask for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, even as we are one. I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and love them, even as you love me. Now, many, many people quote this passage in speaking about church unity, right? Church unity is important, isn't it? And yes, that is a part of what he's saying here. But again, I believe this concept of being one encompasses much, much more. Look what he says there again in verse 21. That they may be all be one just as you, Father, are in me and I am in you. Now I ask you this morning, was the oneness between father and son simply that they worked well together? No, right? It was much more, and so the oneness that Jesus prays for us is also much, much more. He says that they may also be in us. So this oneness um, is, is first of all, like that between father and son, it's also with the father and son, as well as with each other, right? That they may be in us, right? It's a oneness together, but it's also a oneness with the father and the son. Now, how was the father in the son and vice versa? How are they in each other, right? They share the same spirit, don't they? Right? When we are born again, according to Jesus, what happens? Right? That same Spirit of God comes to dwell in us. As Paul says in Corinthians, don't you know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God? Right? The Holy Spirit comes into us when we are born again. So just as the Father is in the Son and vice versa, we who have believed share that same Spirit. The Holy Spirit, who we talked about weeks ago, who is our comforter and our counselor and the one who guides us into all truth. He's our teacher. Right? He lives in us. He give, gives us a oneness with God as well as with each other. Right? You've heard the adage that blood is thicker than water. Right? Blood is thicker than water. But for us... In the love that we share, in the value that we hold for one another, in the respect that we give one another, in, in the love that we show, right? It, it should be said that spirit is even thicker than blood. Same spirit of God that we share, his presence in us, transforming us, right? And when those changes take place in our lives, and, and, and that love that we show to one another is, is demonstrated, is displayed. What happens? Verse 21, that they may be one just as you, 
Father are in me and I in you, may they also be in us so that, there's a goal here, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Why does the world believe? Because they see something real. They see something genuine, right? Proving something in our lives, something in, that in, in the different lives that we lead, something in the love that we show to one another, the tightness that we have as, as the body of Christ, something observable, right? That proves to the world that this gospel that we share isn't just talk. There's a lot of talk out there today, right? But when it comes right down to it, people espouse this and, and, and this and this, and we're, we're all the, the brotherhood of man and this and that. But when it's actually wire, you know, it comes down to the wire, the rubber hits the road, and it's me against you, who comes out on top? Right? That's the way the world works. We're different. We say, yes, Lord, they come out on top. That's my brother, that's my sister. I don't have to have my way, right? We love one another. We forgive one another. We show mercy to one another. We take care of one another. And the world sees it, and it's genuine, and they say something's different about those people. They keep talking about this Jesus person like he's alive or something, you know? I mean, I heard of him. Didn't he die like 2,000 years ago? But they're talking about him like he's alive, like he lives in their lives. And my goodness, I... I can see the difference. That the world may believe that you have sent me. So they're one in spirit. Also one in fellowship. They're one in fellowship. The relationship between the Father and Son was more than just physical presence, wasn't it? You can sit to, next to somebody on a plane for two, three, four, five hours and not even know their name. You can be so close Right? Especially if you sit in the cheap seats like I do. You're so close to somebody. May not even speak a word to them. Oh, hi, how are you? That's it. Right? And you put the headphones on or whatever. Walk away, don't even know. You're, you're so close in presence. So the, 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 so the Father and the Son were, were present, shared the same spirit. Their presence was together. But they had more than that, didn't they? They had a fellowship together. Father and Son were tight weren't they? I love what God says to the Israelites in Exodus. He says, I took you out of slavery in Egypt, and I bore you on eagle's wings, and I brought you to myself. I brought you to myself. See, God doesn't bring us out of slavery to sin and darkness to, to just make us morally good people or to send us to heaven someday. Right? He brings us to himself. There is a fellowship. There is a relationship with him. And therefore, as we have that fellowship with him, we fellowship with one another, don't we? You ever, you ever hear an orchestra tune? Right? Somebody hits that, that A440. Uh, Joe would know that. <laughs> Kelly, some of you. You hit that one note, and everybody tunes that to that same note. You hear them, right? And... Uh, but interestingly enough, though, there's a lot of different expressions. Everybody's not a violin. Everybody's not a, you know, a saxophone. Everybody, all kinds of different instruments. But when they're all tuned to the same note from that same, you know, either the pitchfork or whatever it is that they tune to or one particular instrument, 
then they're all in harmony together, aren't they? That's the way it is. We have fellowship with Him. Our hearts get tuned to His. And what happens? Then our hearts get tuned to one another. We have fellowship one with another. He loves you so much. How can I do so different? Right? He wants to bless you. He wants to care for you. I am with him in fellowship. How can I be any different than want to reach out and help you in your time of need, encourage you, lift you up? Right? I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God. Right? Now, let me talk to the Zoomers for a minute. Hi, Zoomers. Um, I know that you're online and perhaps for, for medical reasons and, and stuff like that. Um, but I, I certainly hope that as this whole COVID thing winds down, that that is something that is temporary. I know people eventually, some are, you know, homebound uh, physically, can't manage. But for those that can, I certainly hope that's temporary because fellowship that we have with one another. Remember the lockdown. Remember when nobody had it. Remember what we felt. I, I need human contact, right? We, we found out just how important that was to our well-being. We need to talk to people. We need to look at them in the eye. And the camera is great, but it's not. you're not actually connecting, are you? Eye to eye. We did this thing in, in Bible school. He said, turn, turn and look at the, the person next to you and just look at them for, for like two minutes. And it was like, it was kind of weird actually because some girl I didn't know and it, it was just awkward. But, but just staring in someone's eyes, there is contact. There is something going back and forth, right, between two people. The hugs, the handshakes, we need that stuff. That's part of our fellowship, right? Conversation. A pat on the shoulder, right? Fellowship. And, and when people do get to the point where they're not able to come, well, I guess that's on the rest of us to go and see them, isn't it? I remember in that lockdown, I remember Skip and Tracy made a loop around. I don't know if they came to your house or not, but they knocked on my door and did, did a, a front lawn fellowship. And, and I just... It was so wonderful to see smiling faces, to, to hear them say, hey, we love you, right? It was so uplifting. It was so important. Needed that, right, during the lockdown. Fellowship, one with another. This oneness with God and one another also includes being one in understanding. The Father and the Son saw the world in the same way, didn't they? Right? They understood where things were. They understood what needed to be done. Jesus prays that we would share that understanding with the Father and the Son. That understanding that people, people that God loves, right, are separated from Him, created in His image, created for fellowship with Him are separated from Him because of sin. But that Jesus took our sins upon Himself, didn't He? And the penalty along with them died on that cross, but rose again after three days, defeating sin and death for you and me and everybody else out there, 
right? And that salvation is only by God's grace and through faith in Jesus Christ. And that that message then has to be proclaimed, doesn't it? Proclaimed by a church that demonstrates his love. That's God's understanding as revealed in Scripture, isn't it? And that understanding, when we get a hold of that same understanding, what is life all about? What, you know, what is the most important thing? Then suddenly we become one also in purpose. One in purpose with Him and with each other. We're all on the same side. We're all working towards the same thing. There is a world out there desperate, hurting, needy. The answer is Jesus Christ. We've got to get that answer to them lovingly, right? As best as we can to, to, to model, to love, to wrap our, our arms, so to speak, around people that the world says, forget you, right? Just like Jesus did. We need to do that. So do you see how all of these things, being one in spirit, one in fellowship, one in understanding, and one in purpose, brings about the unity in the church? Doesn't it? Yeah. And when that happens, finally, we are also one in power. Jesus said this. He said, I do nothing of my own, but only what the Father shows me to do. He was one with the Father in purpose, wasn't he? And what happened? He made the lame to walk. He made the blind to see. He fed 5,000, walked on the water, etc., etc., etc. Right? Look at Acts chapter 2 this morning. Verse 42 says this, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed, look at this, were together and had all things in common. They were one. Just like Jesus prayed. They were one. One with the Father and the Son. And one with each other. One in spirit. One in fellowship. One in understanding. One in purpose. And what happened? The power of God was being manifest among them. Now, did it all happen automatically when they said, I do, to following Christ? No. Look at it again, verse 42. And they devoted themselves. To have oneness in marriage, it takes devotion, doesn't it? It takes devoting ourselves, investing in that relationship for the long term. Right? Not short term getting our way. Been there, done that. We'll probably do that in the future. But when you invest... What, what, what's best in the long term in, in this relationship, right? To forgive, to let it go, right? This thing irks me. Yeah, let it go. I've shared this before. Um, Dr. Gary Chapman wrote the five love languages. Some of you have heard him, right? 
we went to this marriage seminar put on by Moody Bible Institute, I believe it was. And uh, I remember, he he's the guru, right? He writes all the books. And he says, for the past, however many it was, 38 years or whatever, I've been married to my wife. She leaves the cupboard doors open in the kitchen, drives me up a wall. And I've, we've just tangled over this over and over and over again. And finally, after 38 years or whatever it was, finally the light came on. The Lord said, you need to just let that go. You need to let that go. It's not important. Right? It's going to be better for your marriage to just let that die. Here's an open cupboard. Okay, that's just the way life is now. Right? Investing in oneness. And when you invest in that oneness, taking the time, the energy, the intentionality, right? The pursuit of that oneness. What happens in a marriage? Right? Same thing. Same thing. Look what they were doing. They were pursuing oneness with God. How were they doing? Spending time in His Word. Spending time in prayer. Right? They were pursuing oneness with each other. What were they doing? They were hanging out together. They were devoting themselves to fellowship. (laughs) Devoting themselves to breaking bread together in one another's homes. We we went out for a walk yesterday. Met Joe and Kelly on the the path, you know, the trail. I said, we got to have them, just have them over, you know, one of you. We got to do that. Devoting ourselves, right, to fellowship, devoting ourselves, breaking bread together, something about sitting down and sharing a meal together. Or, or, or coming to the coffee hours, or whatever it is, right? And when they devoted themselves to oneness with God and oneness with each other, the power of God was manifest. Miracles were happening. Signs and wonders. But even greater than that, look at the last sentence in verse 47. Look at the outcome of this. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. The Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. You're talking impact here, right? Impact. Something greater than themselves. They were having an impact in the community. You know, we talk about, we just heard about this in Iron Sharpens Iron, that the culture that we live in is becoming more and more hostile to Christianity, isn't it? What about them? They just crucified him, didn't they? Those that just shortly before were shouting Hosanna and waving palm branches. We're shouting, crucify him. His blood be on us and on our children. Was that a culture that was anti-Christian? Yeah. But look what was happening. The church pursuing and prioritizing oneness with God and each other was having an impact daily. Oh, church, do you see it? Do you see it? It's our turn. It's our turn. You turn on the news, you look down the street, 
the, 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 the mental illness, the difficulties. We, we had in our own school system this week averted an incredible disaster. An incredible disaster by God's grace. There was a loaded weapon and an extra magazine and it was supposed to, as I understand it, start with one and just make its way. That was the plan. It was going to make its way around the school. We talk about Sandy Hook. We talk about Columbine. That was us. This close. People are hurting. People need Jesus. They need the answer. They need fellowship with other people who will just love on them because they're one together in the Lord. Right? We need this desperately. The lockdowns, the separations, all this kind of stuff has created so much pain. All the back and forth on Facebook and, and just, it's our turn. It's our turn to make a difference. It's our turn for impact. How do we make that impact? By pursuing and prioritizing, giving importance to oneness with God and oneness with one another. Oneness in spirit, oneness in fellowship, in understanding and in purpose that we might experience the power of God in our church, and in our community. Amen. Let's do it, church. Let's get on this train. Let's see what God will do among us. Let's pray. Oh, Father, thank you. Thank you, Lord, for giving us a blueprint. Thank you, Lord, even as we talked about this morning, you don't treat us as our sins deserve. You put up with our idiosyncrasies, and mine are more idio than a lot of other people's. You know that. And yet you remain faithful. Love me unconditionally. Oh, God, help us. Draw us into your presence in prayer. Draw us into your word, Lord, in our own private closets, in our own devotional time, in in small groups, Lord, the men's group, the ladies' groups, the, the, the Bible studies, the, the Sunday school, Lord, we might devote ourselves to your word. We might devote ourselves to prayer. And God, put each other on our hearts that we can devote ourselves to fellowship, breaking bread together, building relationships, Lord, with one another that also cause us to say, you know what? Yeah, they have their flaws, but so do I. And we just love each other anyway. That the world might know, Lord, as we become more like you and love one another, the world might believe we might make an impact. Thank you, Lord. Move in us by your spirit, we pray. We give you the praise and all the honor. And while our heads are bowed this morning, question, have you initially opened that door 
to Jesus Christ? Have you heard the message this morning that he died on the cross for your sins? That he took the penalty in your place so that, not just so that you could be a good church person, but so that you could be reconciled to God, so that you could know him, become one with him, Spirit and in fellowship and in purpose. And one with the church, the body of Christ. You say, I want to do that. I want to make an impact. I want to be part of something bigger than myself. That's you this morning. I invite you to just say these words in your heart as I say them out loud. Jesus, that's what I want. I want you in my heart and my life. I want to know that my sins are forgiven. Lord, I come before you as a sinner. I give it all to you. Cleanse me, Lord, because of your death on the cross for me. And may I, Lord, be transformed by the power of your resurrection. Thank you, Lord being true to your word, coming in to those who open the door. We praise you for that, Lord, for your goodness to us. Through Christ we pray. Amen. And if you prayed that prayer for the first time this morning here or online, get a hold of me. I'd love to share more with you about a new life in Jesus Christ.